Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 19th, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 3, and we are at page 43, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Sally A., 12 Traditions, Karen C., and reading the text are Kim G., Linda D., and Leah F. The reference numbers for Thursday, May 18th, are 7 a.m. 9952 and 10 a.m. 9954. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sally A. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Good morning again, Katie. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in New York. Very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will, and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening, As the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message 
to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of my past. Thank you, Sally. Okay, I will ask Karen C. to please read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Katie. This is Karen C. from Indiana. I'm very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Compulsive um, Overeaters Anonymous streaming forever unprofessional. Non-professional, excuse me. But our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Katie, for doing service, and thank you for allowing me to be of service as well. And I pass. Thank you, Karen. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone who, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 43, the first paragraph. 
I will ask Kim G to begin reading and she will be reading three paragraphs and we will focus our comments on all of them. Go ahead, Kim. Thanks, Katie. Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home for thousands like him. He had felt only the first nip of the ringer. Most alcoholics had to be pretty badly mangled before they really commenced to solve their problems. Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. One of these men, staff member at a worldwide renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, quite correct. As to two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless, apart from divine help. Had you offered yourself as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you. If I had been able to avoid it, people like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first strength. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. And good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and, and uh, we are finishing up these uh, step one chapters. It's so excited, so exciting about this. So, you know, what have we learned in these last four chapters? You know, in the doctor's opinion, I learned I, I, what I must believe, that the body of, my, of the alcoholic is quite as normal as his mind, that I have to identify these alcoholic foods, and I can never, ever, ever have them again. And there is solution. I am looking at who I am not. You know, there's the moderate eater who can take it or leave it alone. There's the heavy eater who, with, with sufficient reason, can stop or moderate. But am I the real compulsive overeater? Have I, do I fully concede that I've lost the power of choice? And that in this chapter, I'm confronted with the reason I need the 12 steps. Because honestly, if, if, if my only problem, if food is really my problem and the allergy is my only problem, that, my problem is academic if I never take that first drink. So my real problem is in the mind, and that's what this chapter talks about. This chapter talks about the powerlessness. You know, step one is I've admitted I was powerless over food. Dash, my life is unmanageable. The life is unmanageable. I have to accept that my life is unmanageable sober. Sobriety is my real problem. Because if I am powerless, I'm, an, I'm unable to eat moderately. Although I might have a tremendous urge to cease forever, I'm baffled. I have an utter inability to leave it alone. So my true powerlessness is in my sobriety. If my powerlessness is only in the allergy, then abstinence would be my solution. But if my powerlessness is in my mind, then I need the steps. Step one is saying that I'm powerless. And that's what is, is transitioning us to step two, that his defense must come from my higher power. It's just a logical conclusion. If my problem is powerlessness, and the solution is power. I don't have to believe in a God. I don't have to understand a God. I don't have to define a God. But when I truly fully concede to my innermost self what I'm told in this book, and specifically these four, four chapters, that number one, I have an allergy that's never going to change. I cannot eat safely. And number two, I cannot eat. I cannot be sober comfortably. That is what this chapter has told me. I, am, I have I've gone through the ringer. 
I am trapped. I am cornered at last. And am I going to finally surrender the truth of who I am as a compulsive overeater? That my life is unmanageable, drunk, or sober. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Okay, who would like to share on page 43, the last three paragraphs of this chapter? Matt, 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 okay, Matt. I've Matt, Harlan, Tina, Chrissy G, Bob, Westchester, Chrissy G, Nessa R, Nessa R, Bob B, Bob B, Dorita P, Dorita P, Sally A. Sally A. Let's go with those eight. Okay, I have Matt M, Harlan G, Tina S, Chrissy G, Nessa R, Bob B, Dorita P, and Sally A. Go ahead, please, Matt. Good morning. Thank you for your service, Katie. This is Matt M, compulsive overeater from Jersey. Most alcoholics had to be pretty badly mangled before they really, ready, really commence to solve their problems. That's totally me because... I really mangled my body up. I got myself up to almost 670 pounds, and uh, I gave myself health issues, high blood pressure, um, lymphedema in my legs, uh, a bunch of other things. And, you know, I didn't care at the time, back in 2011 when I was that heavy. And I came in the rooms, and I said, how am I going to do this? What kind of diet am I going to find to get this weight off? And I realized finally that it's not about dieting. I was dieting in group support for over 10 years. And now I'm finally working the steps, and I'm giving, them, giving away what I have, my self-will. So I have a lot of self-will back and forth, picking up the food, putting the food down, picking up the food, putting the food down, like a yo-yo, back and forth. And uh, I realized that, you know, just like Fred and just like the other people in the thing, I am powerless over food, my addiction. It's a drug of no choice for me, and I have no other choice but to eat when I'm, when I'm, when I'm not working on myself, working on the steps. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of doctors try to help me over the years, but each one of them were able to have to throw their hands on and say, listen, we can't help you because I couldn't help myself. And I, the only person who can help me is God. I am beyond human aid. If a human being could fix me, then I would have had to pick the perfect diet from one of my doctors. I would have gotten to a fan way place. I would have gotten the weight off. You know, it doesn't work that way. I have a bizarre mental twist and a physical allergy once I pick up. So it's a, it's, it is the choice of uh, mental instability. And, um, I'm just grateful for today that I have the choice of not picking up. I'm just grateful I'm in this meeting, and I'm grateful for everybody doing their service on the line today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Okay, Harlan G., go ahead. Good morning, Katie, and I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I also want to thank all the members of Team Friday for making this wonderful meeting possible. One of the heavy influences on the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, aside from uh, the Sermon on the Mount, that which we know of, and the uh, varieties of religious experiences by William James, was a book called The Common Sense of Drinking by Peabody. And The Common Sense of Drinking taught the boys, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. This concept of the pickle that came from the cucumber, and once it became a pickle, it could not go back, comes from this book. But what we're talking about here is really essentially the end of step one, and we're going to reiterate again and again the powerless nature of this disease. But before we do that, we say most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. And this is something we see again and again in OA. 
we see that the fear of more eating must be absolutely obliterated by the, the by the fear of, of of giving the excuse me we have to fear more eating more than we fear giving up the food we have to cry uncle we have to be at that jumping off point we have to be at that point which says i can't do this myself i'm going to do what i see people doing most people including me do not take step 1 by coming to a solid realization that they need to give up the food we come to a realization that life is just beyond anything we can bear anymore in the food the food is just too overwhelming and we begin to take action after action after action which we don't even yet believe in but we see it working in others percy pollock at bellevue was a psychiatrist and he is the one that they're talking about here and what he's saying is the hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. And apart from divine help, I am screwed. I am absolutely screwed. 100% hopeless apart from divine help. And if I do not have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, not only has the food robbed me of any shred of dignity I've ever had, not only has the food robbed me of every dream I've ever dreamed, but I will insanely and I will absolutely go back to it yet again because I will not be able to bear the pain of not eating. I am powerless over food. I, my life's unmanageable, but food is not my problem. Food is the solution to my problem. The problem is the buildup of everyday, normal human emotion. And while I have emotion, I am going to need something to quash the pain. And the only two things that will quash that pain are A, a Kit Kat bar or an Oreo cookie, or B, a spiritual awakening. There's two doors. The food is one door, and then there's the door Carol Merrill is standing in front of, door number two, the spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, Tina F., you're up. Thanks, Katie. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great, great ending for this chapter. Uh, you know, and I'm sure I'm going to just repeat what everybody's already said, but, you know, the last paragraph here for me is one that over and over I have to go to, you know, because once more, you know, it's not the first time they're telling us that on my own I'm screwed like was said, like what was said, but, you know, once more, the alcoholic at certain times, and I don't know when that time's going to be. You know, I just don't know when that certain time is going to be that I will have no effective mental defense. You know, I can't produce the results. No human power. And then it tells me no human power can, you know, for many, many years. And, and I have proven this to be the case. You know, I've tried to have other people fix me for a long, long time after I had exhausted all my efforts, you know. Um, but that, that did not happen for me. You know, and I like what also was said, and it was just shared that you know this is the first nip of the ringer for Fred, but most of us have to be pretty badly mangled before I'm willing to do anything different. You know, as long as I'm in step, as long as I'm powerless and unmanageable, I'm in step one. I'm staying there. You know, unless I, you know, take make the effort to do the work two through twelve, that's the only place I'm going to get a result. 
that's the only place I'm going to have the spiritual awakening. You know, I can say I'm powerless and I manage all I want, and then I just continue to eat. That has been my story. You know, today I do things a little differently, one day at a time, you know. And I just say, and I say this for me, if I want something different, I have to do something different. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Tina. Okay, Chrissy G, you're up. Hi, it's Chrissy G. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good morning. Um, I'm Chrissy G, recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. I was thinking when Kim was sharing about the steps, the first step that I am unmanageable and I'm powerless over food. I was actually thinking of it in in those terms, in that order, because it's such a different way of thinking about it for me, because I... I keep I kept thinking in the beginning and I talked to a lot of people who are of the same mind that are new in recovery that it's just about the food. It's just about the powerlessness over the food and that's why everything's out of control. If I could just get the food right, then all my affairs would be in perfect order. And I've come to to see that the spiritual life and this life doesn't mean that at all. It means that God intended for me, this is my faith, this is my belief, God always intended for me to lean on him and to do life with his counsel, his guidance, his direction, that it was always intended to be that way. But I kind of, you know, I was absent in school that day and I didn't get that message. I didn't learn that, but I learned it the hard way because I tried to manage and control my life. And the only way I could, I could soothe myself was with food in trying to bat my head against the wall all the time, trying to manage my and control my life, and it didn't work. So now I live a very different life, and the only reason I know this great secret of life that God is the one who's in control, and, and with that comes peace and serenity and a lot of joy. And it's not without suffering, but it's definitely without self-inflicted suffering. And that that makes that cuts my suffering in half, honestly. So the unmanageability for me, it was taught to me through the food, but it was always there, and I always needed God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Chrissy. Okay, now we have Nessa R. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. It's Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, when I came into this room, um, I came in with a solution to my living problems because the food gave me a respite from my problems, no matter how trivial or how grave. You know, I could always seek refuge um, in the food. Um, they didn't, the food didn't solve my, actually solve my problems, but it gave me a break. And, you know, I guess at the time that was good enough. You know, the problem with this solution um, there are many problems with that solution. Number one, that the respite became shorter and shorter and shorter as my disease progressed. And the misery that it caused me became greater and greater and greater. You know, um, I couldn't live by this solution. I needed a solution by which we could live. I needed a, a solution, like it says in, uh, in step two, that could restore me to sanity my solution was, was making me crazy, was making me miserable, and was making um, everybody else around me miserable. 
um, and it just it just couldn't go on. So um, um, that's that's why I embraced the steps. The steps opened me up to to a much better solution, a spiritual solution through a spiritual awakening, through a personality change that transformed the way I think. You know, it didn't transform my life, um, or rather my life circumstances. You know, this solution does not guarantee that I'm never going to have a problem ever again. You know, what it guarantees is that I'm going to have a way of dealing with my problems, you know, facing the challenges and the obstacles that inevitably are going to come up in, in, in my life, you know, um, in a mature way, in a sane way, um, in a way that God would have me, um, which is a way, it's, it's a, a solution that does restore me to sanity. It's a solution that has given me such peace of mind because I know that my life doesn't have to be perfect. The world doesn't have to be perfect. People around me don't have to be perfect. Things around me don't have to be the way I want them to be in order for me to be okay. You know, the only thing that I need to be okay is uh, to stay recovered so that I can, um, I can have my will aligned with God's will. And that, that is, is a true solution. That is a permanent solution. It's an enduring solution that has, doesn't have any of the pitfalls um, that I encounter with the food. Um, you know, it's brought me joy. It's brought me peace of mind. It's brought me security. No matter what I'm going through, you know, how painful or joyful the circumstances may be, you know, I can always count on this. And that, to me, this is very empowering because I came in hopeless. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to manage anything. I obviously couldn't manage my food. I couldn't manage my life. But this solution is really empowering because I know now that um, I, have, I have a recourse uh, that can make my life so much better. And uh, I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Bob B., you're up. I'm glad to be on this line this morning. I needed to be on this line. This uh, reading uh, reminds me of... Uh, what I call the six A's of my program. The first one is awareness. I had to become aware that I had a problem uh, that there was no A, and that was number one. Number two was I had to accept I have the problem. Um, and acceptance uh, was really important. Uh, and the acceptance was that I had the allergy of the mind and the obsession, uh, the obsession of the mind, the allergy of the body. The third A became extremely important to me, and not right away in the program. It's but maybe one of the most important A's, and that is remember to ask my higher power before I take the fourth A, which is the action. Uh, left to my own devices uh, without asking for that guidance, uh, it's my ego that makes the uh, choices, and, and it never worked for me. The fifth A uh, is, uh, after action, is amnesia. That's why I have to keep coming back to meetings. Uh, I have a large forgettery. The sixth day is abstinence, and I can't make a connection with my higher power unless I'm abstinent. Um, and I like the vision of a door with a handle on one side of the door. Uh, my higher power is on the other side of the door, always seeking me. But I have to open the door to make that connection with my higher power. And opening that door for me is being abstinent. With that, I'll stop. Thanks. Thanks. 
Thank you, Bob. Okay, Danita P, you're up. Danita, please press star one to unmute. Hi, my name is Dorita P from Cleveland. I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you. Uh -huh. Thank you. Sorry. Um, I am really grateful to be here. I always have to say that. Um, but this part about um, most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled. I was, um, I, while I'm laid up, I broke my foot and I had a meeting with a friend of mine uh, in my apartment. She came to me and I was just sharing with her something I had thought about, um, about being badly mangled. At one point, I... Um, uh, I was on birth control pills for a, a long time, and um, I guess that in itself is okay. Um, but I was also, uh, well, if you're overweight and if you're if you're a smoker, that's a bad combination. But well, I'm not a smoker, but I, I wasn't just overweight. I was obese. I was a hundred pounds overweight, and uh, I developed blood clots. And, you know, that didn't stop me. But the blood clots, uh, blood clots started in my legs and traveled up uh, to my, uh, near my lungs. And I was short of breath. And I guess I made it to the emergency room just in time. Um, but that didn't stop me. You know, they put me on blood thinners. And so I took the blood thinner, thinners and um, I continued to eat. Um, and almost died, you know, uh, from the obesity. Uh, so I'm just really grateful for this program. And, you know, I like this part here about being 100% hopeless, not 90%, not 80%, not 70%, but 100% hopeless uh, apart from divine help. And then uh, I like the big book, uh, you know, um, it, it leaves nothing to question, you know, so it clarifies everything and make it real clear, you know, you know, these are directions. And then at the last paragraph, once more, the alcoholic at certain times have no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare, rare cases. You know, they always say rare cases or, you know, I guess they don't want to be too cocky. Um, neither he nor any other human being uh, can provide such a defense. You know, I was one of those. Well, I wasn't a rare case. I was, uh, you know, a part of the 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 bunch i guess uh so i'm just really grateful uh, that i found this solution and then the next chapter is going to talk about how if you don't if you don't have this power how you could gain this power and with that i'll pass thank you thank you dorita and sally a you're up good morning again and sally a in new york a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater um, so there is so much here, and I love the fact that we are looking at all three of these paragraphs because it's a review, and it starts at this top. I love where it says, we hope it strikes home. And here we see that the writers are not attached to the outcome. They are giving us one more time, and they even use those words, once more. They're reviewing step one for us, but they understand that we might not still get it. And that's been my story over and over. I'm a very slow learner, but once I get it, thank goodness, thank God, I get it. So 
they're not attached to the outcome, but they're going to do their job once more, and they're going to give it to us again. And then they go on to say most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problem, before they're really ready to stop focusing on self-reliance, on building fences around and around the food, on focusing on abstinence, the do's of this program rather than the being of this program. You know, in step four, the first, in the fear inventory, it talks about in the first column what we have to do. But in the fifth column, it talks about what would God have me be. And that is how I have to live my life now, not constantly focused on what new fence can I build around the food to keep the boundary in the food. But instead, I have to focus on what would God have me be. Then here it says, many doctors and psychiatrists. Now, I'm a psych nurse. Psychiatrists are doctors. Why are they splitting it up like that? And I believe they're doing that because, again, they're saying to us one more time, the body and the mind, many doctors, many psychiatrists. They're looking at the obsession of the body. and They're looking at the mental compulsivity of our disease. And then we go down the page a little more as to two of you men whose stories I have heard. There is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Again, reminding us of the spiritual nature of our disease. We're not going to get well from building strong fences. We can add all kinds of materials, but we're not going to get well until we surrender and recognize our hopelessness without the divine spiritual solution presented here in this book. And then it goes on in the next paragraph again to bring to mind another concept that we've been given over and over, people like you. And I'm one of those people. I'm not like other people. I'm not, I hate to say it, but I'm not a normal person, a normal eater. I am people like you are too too heartbreaking. I have profound respect for the spiritual approach. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. And I'm so grateful that my God is such a God that he will not let me get away with my self-reliance and my ego that thinks that it can do certain things today to cause me to be abstinent, that I can do a lot of work with other people, and that will keep me abstinent because it won't. It's all about a relationship. Thank you. And I'll end with this once more. I'll end with this. My only defense against this mental, this mental defense that I have, his, his defense must come from a higher power. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sally. Okay. Who else would like to share on these last three paragraphs on page 43? Linda R. Leah M. Rosanne. Melissa C. Okay, Okay. Uh, let me just get those. I have Leah S., Leah M., Linda, was it Linda D.? I'm sorry, I didn't write my things down here very good. Uh, Melissa C., and someone with an R, Roseanne? Rose M. Rose M. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Janet Anybody M. else? 
Janice M. Janice, Janice M. Reva P. Reva P. Okay, well, let's go with those seven, given the amount of time we have. And uh, so Leah S., Leah M., Linda D., Rose M., Melissa C., Janice M., and Reva P. Go ahead, Leah S. Linda R. Thank you oh, so Linda much. Oh, Linda R. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I really can't top um, Sally or any anyone else who shared such wonderful shares. Um, so what this chapter is, is really summarizing is that these professionals, these doctors, have all tried with um, with all different kinds of um, alcoholics, and, and they bring examples in order for me to identify and to say, yes, I am. I have to concede to my innermost self that I am an alcoholic. I am a compulsive overeater. And so... Why was I fighting all that? Because I wanted that control. I wanted that. Um, I wanted to be able to. Say, that was my last prestige of of, of self worth. Uh, the way I conceived it at that time, and and then I had to really smash that, and and to understand that this is like a really life and death matter to me, and. Once I started to understand that, I was able to get that spiritual experience. And on page 567, they talk about the spiritual experience. In Tradition 5, they talk about the the spiritual experience, about bringing it into the meetings. And and all we want to do is focus on one thing. Remember, go away from all the other issues of your life, but focus on one thing. There is a one higher power that will eventually be able to bring me out of this and it will bring me not to overeat it will bring me to 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 um to a higher level and it will it will eventually help me definitely oh, there goes my timer okay so it helped me also just to get um get out of myself and to get to the solution by doing the 12 steps thank you for letting me share Thank you, Leah. That was actually only two minutes, but Leah M., you're up. Thank you very much. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. You know, I don't know about your disease, but I certainly know about mine. I mean, I had stopped thousands of times, thousands and thousands and thousands of times. I couldn't stay stopped. I couldn't stay stopped. Um, You know, this disease kept tightening the talons around my neck. Um, and, you know, at first it was quite gradual. It was like being kicked to death by a rabbit, you know. But the pain started to increase over time. And I was doomed to a compulsive overeater's death. You know, there was no doubt about it. Um, I was screwed. I was cornered and I was screwed. The big book, um, when it was brought to life to me by someone in whom that problem had been solved, uh, brought this to life for me through Bill's story, through the story of Roland Hazard. I mean, these men had a lot of knowledge. They had determination. Roland couldn't, uh, you know, spend enough money, couldn't to buy God, you know, um, 
Jim Story, the Jaywalker, Fred Story, can't stay sober on self-knowledge, can't stay sober, sober by just focusing in on the physical. Um, I had an under inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. I had the necessity. I was suffering. I had emotional torture, mental, mental turmoil, uh, medical consequences. I had the wish. I mean, I was suffering and tortured on a daily basis. I had knowledge. I had been sitting on a, you know, on a therapist's couch for five years. I had been in OA for five years. Uh, the pain kept intensifying. Chapter 3 doesn't pull any punches. It says clearly that except for a rare case here and there, the help of a higher power is essential to our recovery. I had to understand the urgency and the necessity of the 12 steps to facilitate the building of that spiritual relationship. I needed a new mind, a spirit-guided mind, and I got that through the process of the 12 steps. There's not a spiritual part of the program. The whole program is spiritual. Putting down the food, walking through these steps, having a new transformed mind. Uh, <laughs> this is a message in the end of hope and possibility. There is a way out. There is absolutely a way out. There's a solution. And... Please, God, submit and surrender, uh, and you can have a new way of life. It's not the material. It's not the physical. It's not human. It is in the fourth dimension. It's in the world of the spirit. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Linda R., you're up. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. This is Linda R., recovered in South Florida. You know, the person that, um, that I am today does not resemble anything like the person that walked into the room many, many decades ago, rooms many decades ago. And, you know, what's coming into my mind as far as the big book today is no human power could have restored me to sanity. So coming into the program was, was a spiritual intervention in my life. And the person that led me in was one of my spiritual guides. So when I look back on that, <clears throat> I know it wasn't my will that got me into the room. However, the unmanageability with the food was what really brought me in there. I really, you know, I knew that no human power could have restored me to sanity. When I came in the room, I focused on the unmanageability with the, with the physical allergy, and I did that for many, many years. I did not have any awareness or really I didn't know what to do because I didn't realize that I really had a soul sickness until, you know, I was in the room for a while and the mental obsession, you know, it lodged in my mind, you know, and I did go to many professionals, doctors, psychologists for years. I was working on, you know, my own will with that. You know, I looked at that as my lower power. Linda is the lower power until I was able to really really define my personal higher power. I really didn't quite get step three, you know, because I couldn't really turn it over. I believed in God. I believed I was an agnostic. I think I was an agnostic in those days. However, I did not trust God, and I didn't know who my personal higher power was until I really worked through the steps. And, um, you know, I've done the steps many times, many different ways. However, thank you, dear God, you know, of recent, I was really able to effectively work it through the big book 
and to really, again, define my higher power. So today, you know, I'm very blessed. I really believe that, you know, when the mental obsession does hit, and it does, because life happens, I have this design for living. I have the 12 steps. I have you, my fellows, my soul sisters and brothers, and I have my steps 10, 11, and 12, which are my maintenance steps, and because of the work. And again, you know, studying the big book has really made a tremendous difference in my recovery and my recovered state today. And again, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of service. So thank you for allowing me to share today, and I feel very grateful that I had this opportunity. Thank you, Linda. <clears throat> Excuse me, Roseanne, you're up. Hi, uh, my name is Rose M. Um, I'm very um, grateful um, to be talking on the line today, and I'm very grateful to be recovered. Um, I, um, I, I think these two paragraphs really hit me pretty hard. Um, it, it really reminded me, um, and when I've been hearing other people talk, um, I was thinking about um, how I was before I started the program and um, how things were in the beginning for me. Um, and I think um, I didn't realize how badly mangled I was. Um, I think that my um, in my disorder, um, my um, my view of my own reality was so distorted. Um, we've talked a lot about how, um, as compulsive overeaters, when you're really in the disease, you sometimes don't know the truth and the false. And I didn't. Um, I didn't know. I didn't realize how sick I was. Um, and um, especially now that I'm doing so much better, I, I realize how how much I was in that state of mind. Um, I did know that the food was going to kill me. Um, I remember at one point having a discussion with my doctor and then coming home on the train, and I just started crying because um, I knew the food was going to kill me. Um, I knew I knew I couldn't put it down, and I knew where my health was going. And um, he had even said to me, um, you know, um, I've looked at these research studies. I've done research studies where there are these mice and they have this gene and they just can't stop eating and it's not their fault. Um, and, you know, I, I thought about that and um, I just started praying and I said, God, please, please help me because um, I don't want to die this way. Um, and I didn't want to, and that's why I'm so, so grateful for this program. And, um, you know, I've talked to my doctor a lot about the program, and he's seen, um, he's seen me change over the course of the year, and he said I don't even look like the same person. And I don't feel like the same person either, but, um, you know, I think science um, shows us so much about the world, and I love science um, very much. Um, I'm a healthcare professional, a nurse, and I've always had this love of science, but it doesn't have all the answers. Um, you know, you think about things like the Big Bang Theory. Why did the universe start? And it kind of makes me think of, like, how as compulsive overeaters can we stop when science tells us we can't stop? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it all points to the very last sentence. You know, our defense has to come from a higher power. Um, it, it has to. It, it can't come from anywhere else. Um, and, um, you know, I've been very grateful that, um, my physician's been willing to learn about the program. Um, 
and um, he's, um, you know, he's seen the changes that have that have happened in me, and I'm so I'm just so grateful that I can be there for my family, that I can wake up in the morning, and be present with my son, and um, even though things aren't perfect, um, you know, my relationship with my husband's been getting better. Um, I'm and oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to wrap up and say, you know, we're not perfect, um, but that's why we need God. Um, and uh, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, Melissa C., you're up. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And um, you know, for a normal person, um, the nip of the ringer, feeling the nip of the ringer would be enough to um, put it down, you know, and to to leave it alone entirely. And, um, you know, this just demonstrates that um, that is not our experience and that I felt that nip of the finger over and over again, and it never kept me from going back to the very thing that was causing me pain. And, you know, so my experience was um, I – I had a doctor tell me that you're hopeless. I mean, he said um, I was in my early 40s, and he said, um, Melissa, every time I see you, you're gaining more and more weight. You are morbidly obese. You are having health consequences, and um, you're going to die. You know, point, you know, like he wasn't even soft and nice about it. And, um, and um, you know, and that <laughs> should have been enough to get me to leave it alone, too. It, it scared me. It, you know, it definitely got me scared. It scared me so much that I had I had to go to a drive-thru because I was terrified. And, um, you know, and so the nip of the ringer is, is no match for this. I'm sorry. Are you able to hear me? I hear. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I, I heard some background noise. So, um, you know, so that isn't enough for, for somebody like me. And, um you know, what? when are we done? When do we say we're pretty mangled? Um, you know, I had an obese body, which appeared really mangled, and I was able at one point, you know, to put the food down and begin working the program. But I didn't, I didn't um, really seek out the spiritual solution yet. And so I was still suffering. And so my mangled, my state of being pretty mangled was not as visible when I really came to see that I needed to seek a spiritual solution. And um, and that has been the answer for everything, you know, that um, I can leave the food alone. I can do so happily. I, I don't have to be frightened when I go to the doctor today. Um, and, and I live in peace. And it is as a result of having a spiritual solution. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay, Janice M., you're up. Well, thank you, and good morning to you, Katie. Um, I don't know what's left for me to say. Everything was so well said. Well, you know, we we get to know how Bill writes and others, and um, he repeats over and over again like we've heard, but it says here, once more. So he's given us a summary of their experience, Bill, and others that have recovered. See, because they know. I mean, there's nothing like experience. Now, we're talking about these medical doctors. They're actually endorsing this spiritual program. They're not endorsing a food plan. Of course, they were alcoholics, but I'm just saying. 
because see that doesn't that's not the solution. The food problem uh, it uh, focuses on the physical part, but I have a spiritual which is the obsession of mind. Well, <clears throat> that's why I couldn't solve the problem in myself. I couldn't, I could, you know, lose weight and, and have a good food plan and all that, but it didn't solve my problem. I was still irritable. I was, um, uh, of course, jealous. I was full of pride. Those are the things that brought me back to eat or whatever else I had to do to get the ease and comfort. So I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought I would have the power. I, well, I know I, I thought I had the power to fix myself. Well, I didn't have the power. And it was mentioned, I had the greatest desire, you know, all kinds of desires. I mean, real, real desire. And I had all the self-knowledge. And this is what the these illustrations are showing us, that showing me that I, it doesn't matter how many meetings I go. Meetings make it, they used to say. Well, no, it's not the meetings we make, it's the steps we take. And that's what it is, because that's where I find and I found the power to help me to remove steps four through 12. Find that power, because see, this is step one. They're talking about a divine power. I mean, some of us didn't have this power. How can we stop? Just trust this process, and now we're gonna we're going to see probably how to find, uh, and and we will be unblocked so that power can come in. I don't even have my timer on. The power can come into me now. You know, a non-compulsive um, overeater can can stop. They can predict. Oh, I'm just going to have four, and that's what they do. They have four. Not me. I couldn't have, I, that's why it says here, again, at certain times has no effective mental defense. Mental, that's not body, mental. So if I have a great defense helping me, then I won't pick up and the allergy won't be triggered. And of course, just know that this is going to happen if we continue the process. And uh, the principles that I'm going to live with, live through, and act every day is what's going to change me. And today I'm a changed woman. I think different because of these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Okay, Reva P., we have just one minute, if you don't mind. Okay, it's Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, what struck me this morning is that it says effective mental defense. I had mental defenses against the food, and I had all these little plans and schemes to control the food, and I had some mental defenses about the emotions and affirmations, and I'll pray for somebody without you know, doing the step work. And it sort of worked, but it was totally not effective. Um, the only effective way to do it is to do the steps completely in sequence. The other thing that struck me is that it says we have to be pretty badly mangled. It doesn't say I have to be pretty badly drunk or I have to gain X number of pounds. And that reminds me it's not just about the food um, because I can be badly mangled when it comes to being very angry. And my tolerance for anger, just like the tolerance for the binge foods and ingredients, um, is less and less and less, which drives me to do 10, 11, 12, which gives me true, effective 
peace um, so that I don't need the food. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva. Oops, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> okay, sorry about that. Um, thank you to everyone who shared. Please, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, May 19th, is 9956. That's 9956. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Linda D. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. Linda D., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from North Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.